This is Cam from the Nerdbook Review, where we strive to broaden your fantasy horizons. Today, we are going to be bringing you an author interview uh, that one of this year's Spiffbo finalists, Angie Grigalunas. Angie and I had a great talk, and as soon as I get through my usual spiel, I will get you right to it. You can reach us on Twitter with the handle Nerdbook Review, probably the easiest way to reach us, Facebook at the Nerdbook Review Facebook page, and via email, nerdbookreview at gmail.com. We have a Goodreads page as well, where we've had quite a few comments lately, and I always enjoy talking to people there as well. If you'd be so kind as to leave a rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us, that would be wonderful. We would really appreciate it. And with that out of the way, let's go ahead and get you right to the author interview. Thank you. The Nerdbook Review is happy to welcome Angie Grigalunas, author of Sewing and its sequel, Quelling. Sewing is a finalist in this year's Spiffbo competition. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, sorry for having to reschedule so many times. Work <laughs> just got right. really crazy for me really fast. And so um, things finally calmed down, at least for one weekend. I think with all this rain, <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to working weekends again. But So, Angie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? All right. Well, um, I have been writing for about... 12 years now, I think, seriously. Um, and I've always written, but in about March-ish of, I think it was 2006. So it'll be coming up on 13 years. Um, I kind of like, it's like, all right, I'm going to do this as a, a thing. Like I'm going to make, going to make a go of this. Um, so that's kind of how I got started into pursuing more serious writing and publishing and all of that. Um, I live in Ohio. I've always lived in Ohio. Um, my husband and I have been married for seven years. We have no kids, but we have five cats and a dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> we purposefully got the dog and we purposely got one of the cats. The other ones we have rescued. Um, and yeah, that's kind of it. <laughs> I'm kind of boring. <laughs> I don't really do much. I, I write and I work and that's about it. <laughs> that will happen. So, uh, <laughs> uh, plenty of cats, though. I will say that yes. we. I was. So many cats. Yes, my wife was a cat person, and I will honestly say I was pretty excited when I found out her son was allergic to cats. So, <laughs> <laughs> her her parents have the cats now. So we're the oh, cats wow. are the cats are fine. They're just not with us anymore. <laughs> uh, one thing, though, I did uh, notice on your website, it said that you uh, initially wanted to be a singer. What kind of music did you sing? Um, I did, like, rock music, sort of. Uh -huh. um, kind of Evanescence-ish, but, like, I didn't really sing quite like that. She's kind of, she has sort of an opera-type voice, and I don't really uh -huh. do that. Um, but I was actually in a rock band for like six months and it didn't work out. But um, yeah, I've always, always liked singing and um, gone through different bouts of like singing at my church every weekend. And um, but yeah, now I pretty much just sing whatever I like. So <laughs> I'm kind of all over the place. Awesome. Do you have a, a, any a favorite genre of music that you like to listen to? Um, I kind of vary. I like to listen to worship music. Um, and then on the other side of it, I kind of like metal and rock 
and uh-huh. like Thrice, Thrice and Trivium are two of my favorite bands. So they're pretty different from the worship music. <laughs> awesome. Well, so you mentioned that that you started writing full time back in 2006, but did you do a lot of writing before that as well? Um, I've always written. I've always made up stories. Um, I remember being in like second grade and making up stories with my best friend. And so there's there's always been something going on since then. Um, usually I would write maybe a page or two of a story and then I'd get a different idea and I'd go jump on that. And I was just, I was very, uh, inconsistent with everything, um, for a long time. And so back in 2006 is when I was like, all right, I'm going to like focus on a story and finish it. And I wrote my first actual story that I actually finished and that just kind of got me rolling. So I think I'm up to four or five books that I've actually finished now. Awesome. So, uh, do you have plans then for the um, the others to come out here sometime not too long? I hope so. I um I had plans once I wrote Quelling. I had planned to go right into book three. Um, and there's probably going to be like six to eight in the main series, and then I'll do like some spinoff things. But in the process of doing stuff with Quelling, I was writing a short story for an anthology, and the short story became a novella. And then it became a novel <laughs> and now it is a duology and it is in my, it's in the same world. Um, and it's sort of a prequel slash side story thing. Um, it takes place like 13 years before sewing starts. And then this, that story itself like lasts about two and a half years. So, um, and there's like, there's a lot of character overlap between people who are in the prequel and who, who are in the main series. So I felt like I needed to write that to kind of understand some of the dynamics between some of the characters in the main series. And it just, it got really long. And so it's, it is my work in progress right now. Um, I hope to get it. I'm working on both the books at the same time, kind of. Um, But I hope to get both of them at least written this year and maybe like to beta readers, maybe into editing. Um, And then get both of those out and then work on book three. (laughs) So that's my plan. Yeah. Uh, certainly not having an issue with uh, keeping yourself busy then, it sounds like. Not at all, no. <laughs> no. So I always like to ask this question as, as someone that uh, grew up uh, loving fantasy. Uh, who were your favorite um, authors growing up and, and who would you consider an influence on you today? Um, a really big influence was actually um, Claire B. Dunkel. And she's kind of lesser known, um, but she wrote a trilogy called The Hollow Kingdom. And it was about elves and goblins and stuff like that. And I, like she, the way that she did her characters, um, like she made them feel like they really had lives that went past the storyline. And so I actually wrote to her for a while. I don't remember how long it was. but it was several months that we were like writing back and forth and emailing. And I, like, I was asking her what happened to all these side characters, like, you know, 20 years after the story is like, well, how many <laughs> kids did they have and all this stuff? And like, she had answers for it. And so it really gave me this impression that her characters were like real people and they had real lives. And so that was really influential in how I do my characters and, 
pretty much since then I've written side stories for all my people and um, just kind of creating this whole world and these lives that continue on past the end of the story. Um, so that was really big. And then what got me back into, like I didn't really like stop writing when I was wanting to be a singer, um, but it definitely took the back seat. And so what got me back into that is after I was out of the band, I was pretty bummed. Um, and I had been, at the time, my mom and siblings and I would go to the library like every week. And I kept looking at this series of books and the covers, well, the, it was like the spines actually. They always caught my eye because the writing was like this horror looking creepy thing. And I kept pulling the books out and I'd look at them and I was like, oh, it's one of those books from that series. And I didn't want to get started on it because like there's way too many books and I'm not going to be able to keep the whole character straight. And I just, I don't want to get into something that is so long. And after like the 10th time of pulling one of these books off the shelf, I'm like, maybe I should actually read these. Like clearly I'm interested. And so I read those and it's um, the Cirque du Freak series by, I don't know if it's Darren Sean or Shan or whatever, um, but they're about vampires and, I read those and I loved those. And then like right after that is when Twilight came out. <laughs> and so everybody's like, oh, the Twilight vampires and everything. I'm like, no, those are not vampires. The vampires <laughs> are like in this series. And um, so those were two really big um, influential things. And then actually The Giver. Um, I remember oh, yeah. reading it in school and I that's probably one of my favorite books. I, um, I think I found it at like a thrift store or something for like 50 cents. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have this book. And I've probably read that. I don't even know how many times. Um, but it's just like, it's such a simple book, but it's so haunting. And so like, none of those three are in the same genre at all. Um, but so they all, like those three have been a really big influence, I think, in just how I write and how I kind of have like the fantasy, but then I have the dark stuff and then I have the dystopian haunting thing so yeah that's we're all pretty big that, that's super cool there's answers like what you just gave me are the reasons why i like doing these interviews because the just the getting the, the thought that you write stories about the lives of your characters you know for later on and things like that that mm -hmm. you that you use them to try to make them feel more alive those are the kind of cool things that i like to to hear about from an author yeah. Um, so why don't you go ahead and, and talk about sewing a little bit? I know it's the the novel that is a finalist in Smithbow. Yes. And who's your blog, first of all? Um, Bookworm Blues. That was the one that picked me as a finalist. And that was quite startling. I actually had forgotten that I had entered the competition. And <laughs> one of my like one of my friends even told me about the competition and then another friend messaged me when I was a finalist and he's like, you're a finalist. And I'm like, in what, like, what are you talking about? Um, so that was pretty cool to just kind of be blindsided by that. And I was not expecting anything. So it's been, that's been really cool. Um, but so sewing is about two sisters who are on opposite sides of a brewing rebellion in their city. Um, the people in charge are sort of like medieval Nazis. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, Aurelia is very trusting. Um, she thinks that they're the good guys. And Rabria is a rebel. 
um, and she basically hates them. And Aurelia doesn't realize that Rab's a rebel. And so it's lots of conflict. And one of the things that I really like is like showing the different sides. And so when you're in Aurelia's perspective, hopefully you're like, the Hulkanans are not that bad. Like they're protective and they, you know, they're a little brutal, but they take care of us and our hearts are in the right place. And then when you're in Rav's perspective, you're like, oh my gosh, they're all evil and they need to die. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's not really clear who is telling the truth and what the truth really even is. You know, are they bad? Are they good? Are they somewhere in between and just kind of gray and it's really fun. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really liked the contrast between the two sisters and their, um, just the way that at first I think that I think you, I thought that maybe that, um, Aurelia wasn't quite like all there or quite uh, able to really tell her perspective. But as she grew, as she went on, I ended up enjoying her as the character, I think a little bit more than, than I, than, um, Rab. And I don't know if that's just because of the the way I felt like maybe her trusting and just open nature versus the the um, more suspicious nature of Rab. And but I just I did really liked the contrast between the two characters and felt like like that that vagueness and that grayness was really there in the story. Thank you. I've I've really tried to make it um, sort of where the reader is unsure and. You know, a lot of people like Aurelia more in sewing um, than they like Rab because she is sweet and she's you know, not like hating everybody. And but then there's some people who are like, she's boring. She doesn't do anything. And you know, at least Rab is like trying to do something. And one of the things that I'm sort of doing with the story is that neither of the girls are really like the protagonist. Like if you look at the definition of a protagonist and how they're the one driving the plot and they represent the, you know, the story's themes and all of that, like neither of those girls are really doing that. And um, they will grow into that a little bit more, but at the start, like they're just kind of trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And, you know, even Rab, you know, joining the rebels, she has no idea what she's getting into. And she doesn't know who she has joined and she doesn't know what their goals actually are. In her mind, she's like, we're going to overthrow them and you know, everything's going to be great. And she gets into this group and they're like, yeah, we're not overthrowing them. Like, that's not the plan. <laughs> that would be stupid. <laughs> um, and O'Reilly has no idea that any of it's going on. And she just takes it as, you know, there's this rebellion and she's scared because, you know, it is upsetting the balance of the world and, you know, she feels safe, even though she's kind of in a controlled environment. Um, you know, it's safety to her. And so she doesn't want anything to disrupt that. And so they're kind of at odds there that, you know, Rab's goals are going to thrust Aurelia into this world that she doesn't really want to be in. Um, but if Aurelia got her way, then Rab is not happy because you know, she doesn't have any freedom and she doesn't trust the people who are tasked with protecting them. So it's, I like to have that contrast and I'm glad that it came across well. Um, and both of their girls are kind of unreliable narrators. Like they don't see the whole picture. Um, and that's been, that's been one of the criticisms of like from Rab's perspective. 
um, of just how she's so angry and, you know, all these people are bad. And it's like, well, she's not seeing clearly. <laughs> like she's looking at the world through a very skewed and hurt perspective. And like, she doesn't, she doesn't grasp what's actually going on around her. So. Yeah. So we talk about the, the rebellion here, but mm-hmm. can you talk about like the world and the power structure? Like it, it, it's Hulkandans. That's how I never actually Hulkandans. said it. Out. Yeah. Okay. So never yeah. said it out loud <laughs> in my, when, when I'm reading, but yeah. So yeah. how, how come they came into power and um, are, you know, the ruling class at this point? Um, basically. So somewhere like near the end of sewing, uh, I actually have um, the town Lord, or the city Lord explain like their history. Um, and he's, he's wrong, but he's sort of right. Um, in that basically the other, like the creature race that's in the world is it's And they did indeed have humanity enslaved and the Hulkanans rose up as rebels and got rid of them. And then they took over. And so it's just been in like, I can't remember exactly how long it was, but it's basically like three to 500 years ago that this happened, that they took over. Um, and they've just kind of grown since then. And so like, they're not really an invading force. They're just like the soldiers. Yeah. Like the ruling class basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and like anybody can become a Hokondan if they pass the test and if they can, you know, do the training. And so it's not like, it's an elite thing, but it's not like, well, you're not good enough to be, you're not even good enough to try. Like anybody can put their kid in Hokondan training if your kid fails out, then that's not their problem. Like your kid wasn't good enough. So, um, but they, they control basically everything. They are the government, the military, the police. um, And they assign roles and jobs for people. um, And I've kind of pulled a little bit from like communist Russia of everybody has their, their roles that they play. And you know, everybody does things for the good of everybody. And it kind of, you know, in some ways it works and it's not a hugely terrible system. You know, people are provided for that maybe otherwise wouldn't be. Um, And, but there's, you know, there's that lack of freedom and they, you know, they kind of, they can kind of dictate everything in your life. And if you stay on their good side, then that's a good thing. But if you, you know, are kind of resisting them, then they may not be so nice to you. Okay. And yeah, that wasn't one of my, my next questions was where, what was your inspiration behind them? And I kind of, that's kind of where I was thinking too, with of like revolutionaries that, that rose up and like leftist revolutionaries mm-hmm. in general, where you always tend yeah. to, where they have such ideal or strong ideals when they start off. But uh-huh. once you get that power, then there's always the, the issue yeah. of whether they're going to follow and, and, um, what happens to those yeah. who don't go along. Yeah, definitely. And it's become a more corrupt system, like over the years. Um, it's just kind of grown increasingly corrupt and dark and controlling. And, you know, you you put people in power and it kind of goes to their heads. And so that's a lot of what has happened. But in the very beginning, they really did have, you know, a good plan and they were the good guys. Um, and it's just... It's kind of like human nature to be bad, I feel. <laughs> like there's like this thing in people that, you know, 
they just left to themselves, like they will become worse and worse. And so I'm kind of trying to show that with them. It's like, you know, they started out really good and they were, you know, they were genuinely trying to help everybody. And now, you know, you just kind of get these people in there and, you know, they're going to do things to stay in control. And, you know, if anybody rises up against them as like, Hey, I have the power to execute you. So I'm going to do that. And, you know, it becomes this system where nobody can really speak up without fear of what will happen to them or their families. Yeah. Now with the main, I mean, in my opinion, the main antagonist, well, there's clearly a, a, a Hulkandan commander, but also mm-hmm. their, um, Aurelia and Rab's mother. Now, yeah. I don't know if this is spoilery, but how come <laughs> she's on her own? And because I mean, we find out that who that you know she was married to an important person mm-hmm. before he died. But is it common mm-hmm. then that that the women would get shipped out away from the Hilkonen quarter after the husband dies? Um, it is not common. They had actually lived in a different city when she was married to him, and then she moved back to the city that the story takes place in. Oh, okay, um, okay. So I yeah, did, so I, that's that's one of the things. Like the girls don't really know that because they were like three and five and they don't really remember. Okay. Uh, but that, that is something that will eventually come out. Um, but she should have married somebody else. Um, typically they do. If there's a widow, they do have them remarry. Um, they give like a certain period of time to mourn and then they're like, okay, <laughs> this is going to be your husband now. Um, yeah, kind of like the Roman style. You were, you were, requ- if you were within childbearing age, you were required to right. be married within one calendar year. Right. Um, so with her, um, she basically just refused, um, which they can do that. You know, they don't force you to marry or in their minds, they don't think that they force people to marry. Um, but at the time when she came back to the city and she had these two little girls, um, you know, typically they would have been like, Hey, you need to be with somebody. Um, and she was just like, so hurt and upset that she just, she didn't want that and they eventually dropped it. Um, and so she, she just kind of lived off away from, um, away from the Hokanen quarter and Hokanens do take care of like the widows of their soldiers. And so there is some level of allowance that they give, um, you know, I mean, they pretty much provide housing for everybody. Um, but then like there's some, monetary offerings to keep them going. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question or not, but she, yeah, she does. should have remarried, um, but they don't have to. And so there are people who lose their Hokanen spouse and then they don't remarry. All right. Yeah. I just was wondering because she's just so bitter and angry. I didn't know if maybe it was because she felt abandoned or if there were, you know, just, that's just how things went as she uh, grew up and felt like her kids were uh, burdens. Yeah. She has a lot of issues. Um, and she, I mean, I, I believe in people having reasons for things that they do and not like always justification. Like there's nothing that justifies what she does, but she does have reasons. Um, and she's just, she's really messed up and, um, she came from a pretty abusive situation as well. Um, her family, not so much her husband. Her husband wasn't a bad guy. Um, 
but her mom was basically the same as she is toward her girls. Um, and so she just kind of doesn't know how else to be. Um, again, like <laughs> doesn't excuse her because she's terrible. Um, <laughs> but she does, she does have some reasons and she's just, she's a very broken person who uh, just kind of snapped. So, yeah. Um, though, I guess the, the last like big question about the, the books is what genre would you describe it as? I have struggled with that so much. Um, I don't really know because originally I was like, it's medieval fantasy. And then it's like, well, there's nothing really fantasy about it except the it's all in, and they're not magical or anything. There's no magic. Um, there's just like some different races and that's it. Um, so it's not really that it's not really medieval because there's not knights and kings and all of that. Um, you know, it's, it's swords and horseback and all that kind of stuff, but that's the only thing that really makes it medieval. Um, so then I was like, well, maybe it's not medieval fantasy. It's just regular fantasy. And then like, no, it doesn't really fit that. I was like, well, maybe it's dystopian. And people tend to think of dystopian as like science fiction, post-apocalyptic. And it's not that because it's in a medieval setting and it wasn't, you know, it's not like after the collapse of this society that they reverted back to that. Like it just is that. And so I don't really know. Um, I call it young adult and I kind of market it as young adult, but it's sort of not. Um, it's definitely grittier with more nuance yeah. than most YA is. Yeah. yeah. And so like I see a lot of people um, in different groups talking about things that they don't like about young adult and you know, all these different tropes. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have any of those. And I don't follow that pattern at all. The only things that really make it young adult are like the ages of the characters, that there is this coming of age sort of elements. Um, but then there's, you know, there's other really important characters that the story, you know, is going to focus on more as the, as the series goes. And like, they're not young adult, like they're late twenties and, so it's not really, I don't really know where it goes. Um, yeah, I mean, but for I, now, I'm calling it dystopian. <laughs> yeah. Dystopian I think fantasy. It, yeah. I, I, and, you know, I mean, like I said, I think if I had to, like, specifically break it down, I would probably call it, like, a gritty YA. Um, yeah. But I think that the big, usually, like, the thing that, I, that gets me for YA is that, there usually isn't a ton of nuance in who the bad guys are. And I really do mm -hmm. feel like the biggest strength of your novel is, uh, is this, this, having both sisters and one on one side, one on the other. So then we end up having mm -hmm. a nuanced view of the whole condens because I mean, like you said, like they're, they're overbearing. And if you don't fit in, then obviously, you know, they're going to, to be the bad guys. But if you're looking for just to, to live your life and, keep your head down, then they keep you safe. And, you know, they're the reason that, that you're not a slave anymore, basically. Exactly. And that's one of the things that as the story will go, or as the series goes, um, like there are some people who are like, you know, they just need to be, they just need to be overthrown. They need to be gone. And, you know, if you step back and look at what they've actually set up as a society, it's like, there's a lot of good things and there's a lot of things that would be terrible to lose and, you know, if they weren't there, what would happen? You know, 
they've told people that the Itzalan would come in and just take over and they would, you know, kill and rape everybody and just maybe terrible. Um, you know, is that just them trying to scare people into submission or is there truth to that? Um, and we will see as the series goes, just how much truth there is into that and other things. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to be one of those, you know, cause it's kind of dystopian ish. Um, so I didn't want to be one of those dystopian stories where you know, the government is bad and everybody in it is bad. And then, you know, you overthrow them and, and everything's fine. It's like, that's, that's not realistic. And that's not how history has proven things work. And, you know, if you, if you have a, a dictatorship type of government and then you get rid of those people, like it just kind of creates a power vacuum and then, you know, maybe the next person who takes over is going to be even worse. And so that's why my rebels are not just overthrowing them because that's not the wise thing to do in this situation. So I like having, I like having the nuance there and I'm glad that you see it because it's like a big, a big focus. Like I, I don't want it to be so clear cut. Yeah, I was, like I said, I was really happily surprised when I started reading the novel because, uh, I mean, you know, I, I saw this, the description of like maybe a dystopian YA and I kind of thought, oh, you know, it'll be fine. I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be well written if it made it a finalist. But I mean, we'll see how the story goes. But then, I, you know, there, that I just wasn't expecting the level of nuance that you did have in the novel. So, I mean, obviously, if you made it this far, the writing is going to be solid. But you never know when you hear YA. I know that, I mean, I generally right. read Grimdark as the, as like the, the <laughs> genre, you know? So, yeah. so I guess this is almost be like the YA version of that in some ways with that yeah. nuance. So, um, so you've mentioned already that um, you plan on having six to eight books in the, in the main mm -hmm. part of the world. And then what else do you plan on doing moving forward with the series? So I, I talked about the duology I have, mm -hmm. um, which is it's set in the same world um, and it follows. It's more of like a romance, but also not um, like my thing with romance is I love it as a subplot. Um, as long as there's like something in the background of a war or conflict or something. Like I can't just read a story that's just romance. <laughs> Um, I just, <laughs> there needs to be war and killing. Um, but so this is, um, it kind of explains how the world got to be the way that it is. And, um, you know, like there's, it's a, it's kind of subtle in sewing and it's a little bit more in quelling. Um, but as the series goes, it'll kind of explain more, but there's a lot of stuff that has happened to people who are half it's all in and half human or some, variation you know they could be a fourth or a third or whatever um but so like there's a lot of stuff that's happening under the surface that most of the Hokanans don't even know is going on um and so the the prequels duology kind of explains that and kind of goes back to when that stuff started and um it's from I tell it in actually third person, which is different for me, um, but it's from the perspective of a girl who is one fourth it's all in. And then um, it's actually um, in sewing uh, the city lord is Sisera. And so this is his brother, Hasiak. 
and Hasiak marries this girl who is one fourth its own. And it's their story. And so it's, it's in a time when the world is at war. And so it's pretty dark. Um, I think it's a lot darker than sewing quelling. Um, and we get his perspective too, which is different. And so it's, it's kind of like their story slash explaining how the world got to be the way that it is as of the timeline of sewing and quelling. Um, and so there's that. Um, at, at some point, I'll write like little backstory things for like Sorek and maybe Masreka and a couple other people that play big roles. Um, and then I have, okay, so I talked about the very first story that I ever wrote and finished. Um, and it's about elves and it's like this elvish assassin. Um, and so I, this story needs completely rewritten because it's terrible, but <laughs> the idea of it was kind of interesting and I still like it. So I'm rewriting that. Um, and then I have more of a Roman era fantasy that I think will be a duology, but we'll see. Um, and it is a girl who's, she's basically forced to become a soldier for the nation that invaded her nation. Um, and it's, it follows her. And then the guy that's like tasked with being her commander as well as like a group of her friends. Um, and they just kind of have to learn how to survive together basically. Um, so those are my main things. It definitely sounds like, uh, like <laughs> you have a lot going on. Yeah. So yeah. then the, another question that I always like to ask, uh, especially self-published authors, is what mm -hmm. has your publishing experience been like? Did you try to go self-published right off the bat or did you send in some books through the query system? Um, I actually went self-publishing right off the bat. I had a couple of friends, like I'd been on the fence and, and I was like, okay, do I submit to a smaller publisher? Do I try for like one of the big, you know, do I do the whole agent and, you know, try from the big ones? Um, or do I just self-publish? And I had a couple of friends um, within like two weeks of each other um, have really, really bad experiences with smaller publishers. And that was kind of like the thing that pushed me over the fence. I was like, okay, I don't want anybody else to have any rights to my book. I don't want anybody else like getting their hands in this. Um, so I'm just going to do it myself. So um, I went self-publishing um, right off the bat. I never wrote any letters to anybody. Um, and it's been, it's been really good. It's definitely a learning experience. Um, but there's so many people that, you know, are willing to help out and to walk you through, you know, how you do the create space and, you know, the Kindle direct publishing and, you know, all that stuff that I sit there and I'm like, I don't know what this means. And I message a friend and they're like, Oh, you do this and this and this and you're good to go. Um, so it's been, it's been fun. Um, it's been really cool to see people like my stuff and I mean, not everybody likes everything, but the response so far has been mostly positive and that's a really cool feeling. And yeah, it's, it's been, it's been good. It's worked out. Um, and you know, it's, it's a lot of work and I don't market as much as I should and all of that, but 
<laughs> that's always yeah. like the, that's the question I yeah. always like to ask uh, the self-published authors. Yeah. Not so, your but thing, I'm, huh? trying, I'm like reworking my website and I have a girl doing branding stuff for me. And so like I'm moving toward, you know, being more serious about it and, you know, actually making this look more professional. <laughs> so <laughs> so ha- has Spiffbo helped your sales or helped you meet new people? Um, it's definitely helped with both of that. Uh, I've met quite a few new people, um, you know, been able to learn of books that I never would have heard of otherwise. Um, and then like, I've had a lot of page reads and sales and, you know, it's, there was a period of time there that like every day there was either somebody reading the book or buying it. And, you know, I don't get a ton of sales, um, and so, you know, it was only like a couple, like one or two, but it was still like one or two. And, you know, that was cool to watch the, the little chart on KDP. It's like, oh, I have somebody reading, you know, somebody's read 400 pages of my book. That, that has to be like at least two people because the book is not that many pages. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so that's been cool. Um, and there's been a few people who have bought Quelling as well. Um, so that's cool too, because, you know, Clearly, they liked sewing enough to buy book two. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, would you like to list all of the places that you can be reached or where people can find your books in one spot so we can have them all out there? Sure. Um, So I'm mostly on Facebook. Um, If you just type in my name, Angie Grigalunas, you will find me. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter sometimes, <laughs> uh, Goodreads, and Amazon. So pretty much if you just search my name, I'm the only one of me. So <laughs> if you, you wanna, just Google my name, you'll find stuff. Do you want to spell your last name out for uh, for us? <laughs> sure. It is G-R-I-G-A-L-I-U-N-A-S. And if you can't spell that, if you just type Angie and then sewing with an O, something will come up and you can kind of, you can get my last name from there. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your patience. And, uh, you know, it only took us an extra like six weeks or so to get this done from what I initially intended to, but we finally got her done. (laughs) Thank you. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so very much. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. You too.